Hey, this is Randy Robinson, and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Come on, the first couple minutes is the hardest when you get up here, so help me out. Praise the Lord. Come on, give him some glory. Amen. I want you, you know, uh, well, it was you. Yeah, we did some exercises when we began. I want you to do one exercise with me. It's very easy. I do it all the time. Take a deep breath. That was easy, wasn't it? But the God that gave you that breath just now is here. Hallelujah. Come on. If you don't get nothing else about this service today, is that the presence of God will change your life. Amen. Amen. Uh, before I get started, a uh, couple things. I'm trying not to move around too much. Becky says I move all over the place. <laughs> Whew, anyway, <laughs> your pastor's going to come back from vacation. I'll never give that guy the microphone again. All right, let's get going. Uh, before I get started, I want to share a short testimony with you. Uh, two months ago, uh, May 22nd, our youngest grandchild was born. Uh, those of you who've been praying faithfully know that he was born with left heart syndrome. Easiest way to explain that for somebody like me who knows nothing about medical terms is that he was missing a couple chambers in his heart. So think about it. Brand new baby. Missing a couple chambers. Two days after he was born, they had to do open heart surgery. And he's been in NICU or intensive care for babies for two months. He's going home tomorrow. Woo! Come on. Yeah. If I could, I'd dance. <laughs> so... Uh, it's been a rough couple months because we've been praying like crazy. Uh, we got some pictures. I don't have them with me, of course. Uh, but, uh, you know, when you see your grandbaby full of tubes and uh, just it was rough things, especially for the parents, you know. Uh, they had to be in the hospital almost every single day. Uh, the only thing he's got going now is they, they put a tube in his side to feed him directly because he was having some problems vomiting and stuff. So he's going home with that. And they're still giving him some shots for the... Uh, uh, Blood, because for the blood pressure, because of the, you know, they had to add some chambers in the heart, so they don't want to work it out too hard. So anyway, so uh, keep, keep him in prayer. Amen? Amen? But it's a big thing that he's going home tomorrow, and it's a big thing he's not hooked up to machines anymore. I mean, it is good to rejoice. Amen? Amen. All right. Woo. Join me in prayer, if you would. Father God, I thank you for this beautiful people that are here today, but I thank you above everything for your presence, Lord. Yeah. Father, may we learn to abide in you. May we learn to live in you. May we learn, Father, that only in you we have everything we need. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your church. And I thank you for this day in Jesus' name. Amen. What an awesome thing is to look around and see people here today, even though the pastor's on vacation. Amen? Amen. You know, I've been in churches before when the pastor went on vacation. Nobody showed up in church. You ever been in those churches before? (laughs) So when I got here earlier today, I was like, is anybody going to be there today? But that's all right. We'll make it happen. So... Today, we will continue the teaching that Pastor Randy started on Galatians 5.22. And let me share this little joke with you because, uh, well, it's a joke to me, but anyway. Uh, If you know me, you know what I mean. (laughs) Pastor Randy, at the beginning of the month, uh, he got a hold of me and Johnny, uh, Pastor Dave, who's sitting back here somewhere. And uh, he told us in the month of July, you know, uh, Pastor Johnny was going to cover a couple things on the fruit of the Spirit. Pastor David was going to cover a couple things in the fruit of the Spirit. And I was going to cover a couple of things in the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Lord, please, let not be in self-control, you know? 
So when pastors say goodness and faithfulness, I'm like, yes! Anyway, yeah. Carmen, where's Carmen? There he is. Uh, Carmen was making fun of me this morning because I said that, and he's like, self-control issues? No, I would have never been able to say that. (laughs) Let's move on right along. Amen. So I'm going to start diving in, and uh, if you don't mind that I sit down once in a while, is that okay with you? It's a lot more comfortable for me. So let's start with Galatians 5, 16 through 18 and 5, 22 through 23. We don't have scriptures, but that's okay. Some of us, my age, remember the days when we had no TVs in church. Anybody here? (laughs) Amen. We had Bibles, remember? Come on. Anyway, so listen, listen well. Galatians 5, 16 through 18, and then I'll jump to 22 and 23, and it says, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust or the desires of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led, listen to that word, led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. In other words, when you walk, live daily in the presence of God, and when you abide in Him, and we will talk a lot about abiding in Him later on in a minute, you will not carry out those desires. 22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such, there is no law. Isn't that awesome? We have an amazing God. So now, I'm going to look briefly. Obviously, we do a lot of reviewing, so I'm going to go briefly over all the fruit, and then we'll get into the two that I'm assigned to. Love is, as we heard before, is agape love. An unconditional love is a strong, a tender, a compassionate devotion to the well-being of someone. The love, unconditional love the Father has to us, that he teaches us to have it for each other. Wouldn't that be awesome if we start walking in that? Amen? Joy. I like this one. Joy is gladness or delight over blessings received or expected for yourself or for others. But I love this part. This joy only comes from knowing God, abiding in Christ, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Then peace is the state of quietness, rest, repose, harmony, order, and security during turmoil, strife, and temptation. That's a peace you only can get in Christ himself. When you are facing what you never thought you were going to face, when you are going through the most horrible temptations you are going through, when you are going through the trials that you go through in this life, and you can be at peace, that's only a peace that God provides. Amen? Amen. And that is amazing that he gives us this peace. Then we have long-suffering, which is patient endurance. Long-suffering is to bear along with the frailties, offenses, injuries, and provocations of others. Ooh. That love comes there too, doesn't it? Without murmuring or resentment. Gentleness, to be gentle, kind, even tempered in character and conduct. My two, goodness, the state of being good, virtuous, benevolent, generous, and check this out, godlike. Godlike in life and in conduct. Ooh, I, I think we fall short there, don't we? Man, God's grace will guide us through. Faithfulness. And by the way, the original Greek, it doesn't say faithfulness, it says faith. So faith is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Faith is the living, divinely implanted, acquired, and created principle of inward and wholehearted confidence, assurance, trust, and reliance in God, and in all that He says. Amen. Then we got meekness, even balanced, gentle and kind in tempers and passions. Then we got self-control and moderation in the indulgence of the appetites and passions. Pastor David, you're here today? Oh, he's, he's teaching back there? 
if he has an outer call next week, I'm going to have to come forward, you know? <laughs> For the, yeah, anyway. My wife is not here today. She's been in Louisiana for two weeks. So if I'm not done by 11.30, throw something at me, okay? Because she, she usually sits there and she'll tell me 45 minutes, 45 minutes. And if I'm going long, which sometimes I do, I don't know about today, but if I'm going long, she'll give me the five-minute thing, you know? But uh, we're going to see how we do today, amen? All right. So let us concentrate on my two today, which is goodness and faithfulness. And I, I want to share something with you. I really enjoy doing, doing this study because... When, when I'm asked to preach, uh, if you have known me at all for any number of years, I love preaching about God's grace. I love preaching about, about the righteousness of Christ, about righteousness in Christ. I love preaching about Romans 8, no condemnation. I did one here. Those are my things that, I mean, I just, I just love to come forward and, and share that. And then when pastor asked me to do this too, I was like, I'm going to actually have to get in there because it was, it was something different from me. So, so I'm learning as we go today. And I hope you get something out of this. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faith or faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And against such, there is no law. When you think of the fruit of the Spirit, one of the things that I always think about is, you see, okay, being from a different country like I am and speaking a different language, when I was a kid in Puerto Rico, they teach you a lot of English. Because the United States is part of I mean, Puerto Rico is part of the United States. So in Puerto Rico, one of the greatest things they do in the school system is that you learn to read and write the English language. I said read and write. I didn't say speak it, right? <laughs> you learn to read and write the English language. And then, so when I read things in the Bible, I said the fruit of the Spirit. I know that's a singular thing. This is not talking about fruits. It's talking about fruit. So, so when I studied that, I looked at that, I started realizing that Paul doesn't make a mistake when he says the first one is love. Because you see, if you don't have the love of God deposited in you, you won't have joy. If you don't have the love of God deposited in you, you won't have you know, self-control. You won't have all the other ones. You won't have the goodness of God. See, do you need first the love of God in you so the rest of the fruit are manifest or part of or come out of love? So, yeah, you may be gentle. You may be a nice person. You may be patient. But to see the fruit and all the nine or one to come through your life to the fact that it will bless the body of Jesus Christ, which is what it's supposed to do, you need love, and you need the love of God. Amen? All right, so let's define goodness. I like to do that when I study, because, you know, when I hear the word goodness, in my own mind, I think about just somebody who's nice. But, boy, no. Goodness comes from the Greek, Christosis, or Christodes. It means excellent in character or demeanor. It means uprightness of heart and life. Okay, and excellence in character of demeanor basically means character is the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. That's what makes you you. That's your character. And your demeanor is how you take your character and express it. How you express yourself towards others, your outward behavior, your behavior towards others. So I like to put it this way. Goodness is excellence in those mental and moral qualities which will then show in your outward behavior. However, all those definitions are great. But then I went a little deeper in the Word of God, and this is the best biblical definition of goodness that I could get. It's the state of being good, of being kind, virtuous, benevolent, generous, and God-like in life and conduct. God-like. This is why Jesus said that there's none good but the Father. 
Because you see, outside of Christ, you can't be good. Outside of Christ, you can't show that love. You can't show that patience. You can't show that long-suffering because you're outside of Christ. You're outside of love. And like I said, you may have some of those things in your life that will be manifest. I'm a very patient man. And I think even without Christ, I'd be very patient. I think. (laughs) But in Christ, oh, that's where everything comes together. So goodness is to be, you know, God-like in life and conduct. Oh, boy. So basically, it's to be like Christ. And that's what the bottom of this message is going to be all about, and you're going to see that. So when you produce the fruit of goodness, you are Christ-like. And that's what we are, what's one of our goals. So check out what else the Bible says about now when we live in Him and we try to be Christ-like or live in Christ. Ephesians 5, 8 through 9, it says, For you were once darkness, but now you are in light in the Lord. You are, the light, you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. And then it says right there in Ephesians, The fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. You see, now that you are in the light, you walk as children of the light, and you start bearing fruit. Colossians 1, 9 through 11 says, For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. Check this out. Being fruitful in every good work. We're talking about fruit, aren't we? Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. When you walk in the light, fully pleasing Him, you produce the kind of fruit that the Word of God is talking about. When we read these verses that talk about walking as children of the light, or walking in a way that is worthy of the Lord, we are talking about being Christ-like. And I'm going to repeat that a bunch of times through my message, because that's what it's all about. Ephesians 5.1.2, speaking about Christ-like, I love this, this verse. I spoke about this verse before. It talks about being imitators of Christ. Ephesians 5.1.2 says, Therefore be imitators, which remember in the Greek means to mimic. Mimic. Wow. You remember in the Bible how Jesus said that I only do what the Father does? I only say what the Father says? Jesus was a reflection, a part of, one with the Father. So when he spoke, he spoke because the Father said it. When he did, he did because the Father did it. And he understood the the connection, the oneness, that I can only do what he does. Or in our own way, I can only do what he's told me I can do, and nothing else than that. So we need to therefore be an imitator to mimic the Lord. And then it says, be an imitator of God, as do your children, and walk in love. Boy, the Bible keeps talking about walking in love, doesn't it? Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice, wow, to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Man, we are looking at a lot of Bible today so that we can see how we are to see this fruit manifest in our life. And that's the thing. And you're going to hear it again and again, is that that fruit is already in you. It's in you. We need to bring it forth. Okay, that's the thing. It's already in you. It's been deposited in you by the Holy Spirit when you came to Christ. And I'm going to probably read it. I'm probably ahead of my notes. But when you come to Christ, everything you need for life and godliness is in you already. Amen. And what happens is we get caught in the issues of life. We get caught in the mentality that, yes, God is good and yes, God is perfect, but I am not. Yes, oh, I love the word of God. I love the Bible. I love what it says about sanctification. I love what it says about honoring God. But you don't know me. And you get in that mentality, right? That you're not good enough. And that's the devil, man. Come on. 
That's the lies of the enemy because you were somebody that Christ died for. And if he thought about you in the cross, man, then you must be pretty important. God must think some amazing things about you to send his son to die for you. I mean, think about that. But no, the devil wants to keep your mind on other things. The devil wants to keep your minds on what you did yesterday, two months ago, six years ago, maybe even this morning. And then he whispers, you're not good enough. But the Spirit of God says, I die for you. I die for you. And this sanctification walk is a walk that we walk daily as we abide in him. Amen. Praise God. That was not in my notes, by the way. <laughs> I don't even know where I'm at again. I do that all the time. Woo! Okay, so I guess we're talking about fruits. I'll move it on. Oh, look, in the next page, it was talking about life and godliness. How about that? It's already deposited in us. Hallelujah. So the issue is, are we living a life where we allow the Spirit of God to rule? Amen? Because then and only then, you will see that fruit be manifest in your life. We're called to bear fruit. We're called to be God-like. We're called to imitate Christ. One thing that I remember from a message I brought before about Romans chapter 8, is that you see, when you walk in Christ, you're not going to walk a life where you're going to be sinless. But you're definitely going to walk a life where you, you are going to have less sin. Okay? You're not sinless, but you will sin less. Get it? So play there in the word. I don't know. But I don't even know that's proper English, but I hope you know what I'm saying. You will sin less because now you're walking in Christ. And you're walking worthy of the calling. And you will bear fruit in every good work and imitating Christ. And how do you bear fruit? You abide. You abide. We're going to get into this in a few minutes. Man. And remember, we walk in love. 1 Corinthians 13 tells, tells us all about the chapter love. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I just want to real briefly, you know, so that we kind of review so you remember what it is to walk in love, is to, to be patient, kind. Someone who does not envy, someone who does not brag, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked. Thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, whew, endures all things. Can we honestly say we love like that, huh? Can we honestly say we love our wives that for us husbands? Wives, can you honestly say you love your husband like that? Men and women of God, can we honestly say we love God like that? You see, every day in our walk, in our Christian faith, in our Christian walk, is a daily walk where we persevere. And we will move towards that goal as we keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Amen? So anyway, so when you and I walk in love, we start having the goodness of God show in our lives. When you walk in love, you start acting like God. That's bottom line. And then you will see the fruit of goodness manifest in your life. That's amazing. Uh, when Pastor Randy asked me to bring the word today on goodness and faithfulness, I don't know if you remember, a few months ago, we were having a great service where some people got up and prophesied and brought a word. And, and I mean, it was awesome. And, I, and I, I stood there and I received a word in my own heart where God was telling me that we are to be image bearers. Anybody remembers that day? Yeah. And I came up here and I told Randy, I said, hey, I, I just want to share something that God is calling us men to be image bearers. OK, and women, too. But but the word that God gave me was like that that day. So when Randy calls me and says, hey, can you preach on, in July? First thing I said is like, yeah, I'm going to preach on image bearing. But he's like, no, I want you to preach on the goodness and faithfulness, right? So I started putting this message together. And I'm like, oh, man, but I had all these notes for image bearing and all this. 
And then I realized that it's really bringing me there. Yeah. Amen? That is really, it goes to show you the amazingness of God that is bringing me to what he was giving me about being Christ-like, which is somebody who bears the image of God. Yeah. All right, let's move into faithfulness because we want to be out of here before 3 o'clock today, right? <laughs> Amen, somebody, yeah. <laughs> Anybody's ever been to a church that lasts like six hours? Oh. <laughs> Woo! Hey, let me tell you something. If you don't like that, don't go on missions trips. <laughs> I went to Jamaica on a missions trip, and let me tell you something. Church started at 9, and we were still there at 3. I mean, yeah, I don't mean they, because they got the preaching, they got the offering, they got the worship, they got another offering, they got another preaching, they have testimonies. I mean, and you're in there like, whoa, and because you're American and you're used to the quick message in and out of church, by three o'clock you're like, oh. <laughs> but, but let me tell you something, aren't we supposed to live like that? Let our lives be an epistle, where we daily live and walk in this, Amen. A lot, of, a lot of what happens, and I'm, I'm preaching to myself, is we want to get home, we want to kick our shoes, we want to turn the TV on, we want to watch the ball game. Hey. Uh-huh. hey. Let's leave it right there. All right, faithfulness. Galatians 5.22. As I told you earlier, the King James Version of the, it doesn't say faithfulness, it says faith. Okay? And obviously we have heard faith uh, really be summarized so many times in different ways. It's the persuasion, the belief or acceptance of something that is true. It is also moral conviction of religious truth or truthfulness of God. It's also the living divinely implanted, acquired and created principle of inward and wholehearted confidence, assurance, and trust, and reliance in God, and at all that He says. His word, His word. It is also to be persuaded, to place confidence in, to have an absolute dependence and reliance upon in the word of God and God himself. It is to trust completely and without reservation on what God says. We have pre- plenty of examples of faith in the Bible. I was just thinking of three, Noah, Abraham, and Moses. I mean, could you imagine in the days of Noah, God comes to him and says, dude, I need you to build a boat. Yeah? Well, what, what's a boat? I mean... I don't know if they had boats or anything, but I know it's a boat. It's a, he doesn't just want a boat. He wants a massive ship, right? And dry land. And, and they said they didn't even know rain because the water, you know, had other ways of watering the land or whatever. And uh, he believed God. A hundred years or so took him to, to build this ship. And people are making fun of him, but he did it on his word. Could you imagine being Abraham, sitting comfy at home with your family, your riches, Everything you need right there. And God says, hey, leave everything. And I'm going to take you to a place. Uh, what place? <laughs> I'm going to tell you. Just believe me. Come on. And he did. Moses, who grew up in the Pharaoh's palace, with all the riches you could imagine, he had it all. But the Bible tells us that he just discarded that, obeyed God, and he led his people. And we know that these people were not perfect. We know that. We can, we can pick on them about how Abraham lied or how Moses got angry and beat the rock or whatever. But bottom line is, if God told you today to leave what you know and just go and later he will tell you what you're doing, would you? Wow. I got to be honest with you. I don't know if I would. I mean, let's be real, right? That's part of everyday church. Let's be real with each other. I don't know. Wow. I don't know. 
But we need faith. We need faith. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six that without faith it is impossible to please God. Without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, those who abide in him, those who every day are led by the Spirit of God. You see, you must have that moral conviction. You must have that persuasion and the confidence on who God is and what he says in order to please him. And I think our prayer should be, Father, teach me obedience. That when I hear your word, I will do without questioning. Could you imagine if that was our prayer daily? I don't know about you, but I have a problem uh, with giving to people in the streets. Anybody here has that problem? Mm -hmm. I know a couple hands went up. Because you see people almost in every single corner with a sign for help and this and that. And wouldn't it be great if you, your spiritual life was such a connection with God that you heard the Spirit of God when to give and when not? Wouldn't it be great if you walk into church and you were in that connection with the Holy Spirit that God would say, I have a word for Brent. Boom. Man. Wouldn't it be awesome if we be the church of the living God? Come on. That's what we got to be. But we see, the problem that we have is that we tend to concentrate on you. We tend to concentrate on everybody else. Why isn't he doing this? Why isn't she doing that? Why don't they sing this way? Why don't they preach that way? And in the meantime, you are not doing anything about yourself in the presence of God. And the Spirit of God wants to change us from within. Because when he changes us from within, then we produce and that fruit of God comes out. Come on. And that's what he wants in our life. Right here. Change me. Change me first, Lord. Because when that happens, man, do we see revival. When that happens, man, do we see the fruit of the Spirit manifest. Amen. Amen. So that's what we got to do. We start living there. We start living there. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. John 15. I'm going to read you a few verses. Because this is the true way of us producing fruit. Oh, I got plenty of time, man. Look at that. Hallelujah. (laughs) John 15, 1 through 9, it says, I am the true vine. Pay attention, okay? And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You You are already clean because the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and it is withered. And they gather them and throw them in the fire and they are burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. For my father, for in this, by this my father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. This word, seven times Jesus uses the word abide. Seven times. I think he's trying to make a point. Did you know in the Bible, the, the, the number seven It's a meaning of completeness, meaning of perfection, fullness, 
Seven times he says, abide in me. My word abides in you. Abide, abide, abide. Whew. You think that's important? Yeah. I would say so. We just read it seven times. Seven times. This better get your attention. God is telling us that if we want to live a life, a victorious life, a fruitful life, we must abide in him. This is walk in the spirit. That's what walking in the spirit is all about. Walking in the spirit is not hallelujah. Oh, shanda, shanda. Oh, you know, all those things are great. But walking in the spirit is to abide in him every day. Whatever you're going through, you abide in him at your job. You abide in him in your marriage. You abide in him in the middle of temptation. You abide in him in trial. You abide in him 24-7. And you learn to walk that way, and man, you will be victorious. Now, as you know, Pastor Randy loves to take words apart and define things. So I have learned to do that too. And of course, when I think of abide, I think about staying with or something like that. So I looked it up. <laughs> abide is to remain, to tarry, to wait, to continue to be present. But I love this one, to dwell, to live in. I abide in my house. You abide in your house. So if you abide in Christ... You live in Christ. This phrase, abiding in Christ, includes an intimate, a close relationship, and not just a superficial acquaintance. Jesus tells his disciples that drawing life from him is essential. Come on, do you know that? Drawing life from him is essential, amen? And he uses this picture of the branches and the vine. Our walk with Christ needs to be a walk that is totally, completely dependable on him. You can never be separated from Christ if you want to live. You have to be that vine. You cannot be disconnected from the Savior. Amen. Now, I went online yesterday, and I was trying to, because I'm not a farmer, you know. I don't know much about that, but I know where wine comes from. I know where grapes come from. I know what a vineyard kind of looks like. But I looked it up, and I found this Christian article. I'm going to read to you now. It's about three paragraphs, but wow. Just check this out. Huh? It says, and, and this is referring to the verses we just read about abiding in him. He says, what many read into this statement, and I'm quoting, what many read into the statement, I am the vine, you are the branches, is that there is a clear-cut distinction between us and God. If he is the vine and we are the branches, then there must be a clear separation between us. Oh, hang on with me. The assumption is that the vine is over here doing its vine thing and that the branches are just kind of hanging around, lucky to be part of the vine. Because of how we read these statements, we immediately hear and think that there is a fundamental difference between us and him. This assumption is incredibly flawed. <laughs> the vine and the branches contain the same essence, the same life. There is one plant, not twofold distinction. The function of the vine is to pump life to the branches, and the function of the branches is to produce the fruit of the vine. Come on, guys. Woo. It's getting, I have to get up. You know, it's just getting better. Spiritual disciplines are to remind the branches, us, of the life that they are partaking. As those who are united with God are joined together with His Spirit, there is a beautiful harmony in the way Life is shared in this metaphor. The vine exists to nourish, to feed, 
and to grow the branches. The branches exist to bear the fruit of the vine. No one would ever approach a vineyard and make a distinction between a vine and the branches. When you look at a vineyard, we recognize it is just that, a place where the vine grows. The vine and the branches are not two different plants. It is one plant accomplishing the function for which it was always intended. The material that makes up the branch is the same material that makes up the vine. There is a symbiotic relationship between the two. In fact, you could probably say that the two are one. I mean, that is good. I mean, that, that lifted me up. If it didn't do nothing for you, hey, man, I'll pray for you. But, I mean, could you imagine? When you, if you're in California, wherever you go, and you see a vineyard where they're producing wine and fruit, when you see the vineyard, you don't see, oh, there's the vines, and oh, there's the branches. It's one. And that's what we are in Christ. We are the branches. He is the vine. So, therefore, if we abide, or if we are engrafted, or if we are part of, right, we will produce fruit. And what happens is, when, when we either don't produce fruit or we stop producing fruit, it's because we have allowed our fleshly or our natural ways of living. And that's why we get angry with one another. That's why we lose our patience. That's why we murmur and complain. That's why we do all those fleshly things that the Bible talks about. It's because we are not abiding in him. If we can learn that daily, that daily discipline of abiding in him, and it's not so much, and you, listen, pray, pray is important. Worship is important. The reading of the Bible is important. All those things are important. But you must learn to abide first. Because when you abide in him, yes, maybe you ran out the door and forgot to read the Bible this morning, but you're still abiding in him. And therefore you're walking in him and in Christ. Amen? That's a good, a good place to say hallelujah. Uh, you guys falling asleep? Come on, worship. I wake you guys up, huh? Okay, I'm almost done. Did you know? That's, that's a miracle. I've never spoken for less than 45 minutes in my life. But it's okay. All right. So, so we are the branch. We are part of the vine. And that's why we produce fruit. You know, you don't have to go crazy trying to produce this fruit. Don't try to labor, 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 labor trying to produce it. Just abide in him. Because he's the one who gives, all right? Learn to live, learn to take, learn to receive from him. And remember that to abide in Christ is not only to remain in him, but to live in him. To live, to make it your home. I mean, Christ has got to be your home. You realize how many times in the Bible it says, in Christ? Tons and tons of times. If you ever have a couple of hours, just Google verses that have to do with in Christ. Man, there's so many of them. It's so amazing. Because we are in Christ, we are making a home to live in, and that's where we are. Because we are in Christ, we are what says 2 Corinthians 5.17? We are new creation. The old things have passed away, and behold, all things are made new. Stop letting the enemy tell you who you are and who you're not. When the Word of God is the one who needs to tell you who you are. If you're not paying attention to what the Word says about you, oh, whoa, whoa, the devil's got you. Because you see, that's, that's the one thing the enemy does so well. Because the day you got saved, the day you came to Christ, the day you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, the devil says, ah, man, I lost him. I lost her. Now you serve the kingdom of the Most High God. But wait a minute. If I keep him miserable, right? 
If I keep him thinking about his weaknesses, his sins, if I keep him thinking about, oh, how he failed doing this, if I keep him to concentrate on what he does in the flesh and not in the spirit, I got you. And then you will not produce fruit. But we are now in Christ and we are engrafted. So learn to abide. 2 Peter 1.3 says, By his divine power, and I said this earlier, but I just want to read it again, he has given us everything we need for living a godly life. By his divine power. Everything we need. We have received all of this by coming to know him. He's the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. King, New King James says, His divine power has given to us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Everything, 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 everything. I took that verse and I kind of changed it a little bit so that I could put in there goodness and faithfulness, okay? So I made my own second Peter, but don't worry, that's not sacrilegious. I'm admitting ahead of time that that's what it says. <laughs> so, by his divine power, God has given us goodness and faithfulness and everything else we need for godly living. We have received all of this by coming to know him, by abiding in him, the one who called us to himself by means of his glory and excellence. Hallelujah. Goodness and faithfulness already deposited in you. I even made, I even made myself a note in my paper that says, music time. <laughs> you know, and that's something we, we're so accustomed to. Oh, when the music starts, that means we're almost going home, right? <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Maybe one day we can have Puerto Rican music when I'm done, you know. Dun, 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 dun. No. <laughs> Woo, praise God. Come on. This is what's so awesome about everyday church. We can be ourselves, right? But we must be in Christ. Amen. Outside of Christ, you don't want to know me. You want to know me in Christ. And that's what we need from each other. Hebrews 12, 11, 2, One scripture that we know so well and that I love so much. This is right after chapter 11 of Hebrews. Chapter 11 is the faith chapter, we call it. So this is after talking about all the people of faith in the word. And Hebrews 12, 1, it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us or traps us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, and that joy was you. That's what I do with scriptures like this. I put myself in there. The joy set before him, he endured the cross. You were the joy set before him and he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the secret to abide in him. If you get anything else out of today, this is the secret to abide in him. Lay aside every weight which is tripping you up, okay? Lay aside everything, everything that holds you back and tires you easily. That's what it means. And every sin that so easily ensnares us. Just lay it down. Lay it down before Jesus. Abide in him. Then, this takes action. It says, run with endurance. This is something you do, something you have to decide to put into action in your life, to run after the Savior. Keeping your eyes on Jesus. This is to look upon, to live and to talk like Him, to imitate Him, to mimic Him, to live in Him. Believe, never give up, move forward, never surrender, learn to abide. Do you have problems? Abide in Him. Are you tempted? 
abide in Him. Are you discouraged, depressed? Abide in Him. When we learn to abide in Him, anything the enemy throws our way, we can walk through. Because we learn that He walks with us through that valley of the shadow of death. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. On behalf of Pastor Randy and the entire staff at Everyday Church, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. For more information on the church, please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz.